Hi, and welcome to the iPhone Life podcast. I'm Donna Cleveland, Editor-in-Chief at iPhone Life. I'm David Averbach, CEO and Publisher. Welcome to our 134th episode, where it's getting way up there, David. Getting up there in our second one in quarantine, <laughs> which is a little bit depressing. <laughs> I know. As you can see, we are recording from our home offices, and today we're going to talk to you about iPhone, the iPhone SE, which is Apple's newest phone that they had a virtual release of last week, I believe. And we're going to talk about AirPods rumors. And then we also have content to help you stay connected at home during this time of social distancing, during the coronavirus pandemic. So we've got some great FaceTime tips for you. We have content that David and I have been enjoying during the quarantine that we'll share with you. And um, also apps and gear. So stay tuned. And last but not least, we we're going to be discussing how your kids and grandkids can use their iPhones to stay connected during this time. And I have an interview with my stepson. So that'll be an experience. <laughs> and yeah, spoiler, it's adorable. You should definitely <laughs> stick around for it. <laughs> All right. Uh, first, we'll tell you about our sponsor, which is Bridge. So I'm really excited to tell you about our sponsor, Bridge. They're a new sponsor. I haven't had a chance to talk to you guys about it. They're one of those sponsors where every once in a while I have a product where I just fall in love with. And so I go out and I convince them that our audience needs to hear about them. And that's Bridge. And we've used Bridge for years in the office. It's a high quality iPad keyboard. Uh, and they just have come out with a new keyboard, the Bridge Pro, and that has a trackpad built in. And so I'm going to tell you about the keyboard, both the original and the Pro. What I love about it is it has a clamshell design. And so you basically attach your iPad to the keyboard at a hinge. And what I love about that is you can have the, your keypad or your iPad at any angle which is really hard. I don't, I've never seen any other uh, keyboard designs that allow you to do that. And it's backlit, it's made of aluminum, so it matches the kind of MacBook Pro design. It looks really sleek. Um, so I love it. Uh, I've used it for years. Donna, you've used it as well, right? I have, yeah, I have, I have one of the bridge keyboards on my iPad right now. I have the 2018 education iPad. So okay. it doesn't, um, and I got the keyboard around the same time. So it's not one of the ones that has a trackpad. I really want to try one of those. Next. Yeah. So let me tell you a little bit about that one. Obviously Apple with uh, iPad OS 13.4 has added a lot more uh, mouse support for the iPad. And what's cool is Bridge saw this coming a long time ago. So I actually got to test out their trackpad at CES in January and it was already great. And it's going to get better when Apple continues to update the operating system. Apple, of course, has come out with their version of a trackpad keyboard, the Magic Keyboard. What's great about Bridge, though, first of all, it's cheaper, which is great because the Magic Keyboard is really expensive. Second of all, Bridge will work with any iPad, whereas the Magic Keyboard will only work with the newest versions of the iPad Pro. Uh, and you can, like I was saying earlier, you can keep it at any angle. So it has a much wider range of angles you can have your keyboard, which I love because I often will, sometimes I'll use the keyboard even when I'm not wanting to type because of the angle. So I can actually like watch a show in bed at the perfect angle and things like that. So anyway, make sure you check it out. Bridge is spelled B-R-Y-D-G-E. Uh, and you can go to bridge.com. 
Yeah, it really is the best keyboard I've tried for the iPad. Yeah, uh, I agree. We were extra excited to have them as a sponsor uh, for that reason. Next, I want to tell you about our daily tip newsletter. If you go to iphonelife.com slash daily tips, you get a free one minute tip in your inbox every morning that teaches you something cool you can do with your iPhone. So it's a really easy, free, low commitment way to start mastering your phone. And our tip this week that I want to share with you is how to do a group FaceTime call from a group text. And this is my personal favorite way to initiate a FaceTime call. And I'll walk you through how to do that right now. So, uh, well, first of all, I'll tell you how to do a group text message. In the Messages app, if you tap the little pencil and paper icon to write in a new, to start a new text, you can just basically type in the names of all the people that you want to include. And when their contact pops up, tap that and it'll be added to the to field. And you can just start texting from there. And once you have a group thread going, you'll just navigate to that in the Messages app and you'll see a little cluster of names along the top of your display that shows you who's in that group. You tap on that and you'll see the option, the info icon pop up, the option to start an audio call, and then you'll see FaceTime. Info, by the way, is where you can go to like name your group, add and subtract people, things like that. Also, you can only name the group if it's all Apple users in the group text. That's another fun fact. Well, for FaceTime also, for FaceTime, you're also only going to do this if you have all Apple users anyway. Excellent point. Yeah, with <laughs> FaceTime calls, you, as David said, you have to have an iOS device or, yeah, you have to have an iPhone or iPad or Mac to do that. So you'll just tap on the FaceTime icon and you can initiate a call right from there. And what's nice about it too is that once you've started a call and let's say you leave it but everyone else is chatting, it'll still show that in your group text thread and you can join back in on the face, Facebook, FaceTime call from the Messages app there. So that's a fun way to stay in touch with people right now. Um, David and I are actually teaching a free class right now. We're, or sorry, Cullen and I, David has been helping, are teaching a free iPhone class right now where we go get more in depth on FaceTime too. And you can go to classes.iphonelife.com if you want to sign up for that and get more as well. And the, there's still time to watch it. We're halfway through. We're having so much fun. Like Donna said, we made it free. So we have over 5,000 students right now taking this class. Uh, sign up now because you can watch replays of the first two lessons, the first two uh, group discussions, and you can join us for the second half of the course. So once again, to sign up for our daily tip, that's iphonelife.com slash daily tip. And to sign up for the classes, you go to classes.iphonelife.com. And the course is called Staying Connected from Home. Yes. Okay, we have a couple comments from listeners from our last episode. David and I talked about Apple's new efforts in contact tracing. So Apple's partnering up with Google and are looking at ways to use your phone to track who has the coronavirus. And it, it's an opt-in program that they're coming out with. So you have to you know, allow this to happen. And um, David, can you explain a little bit how it, more about how it works? I feel like you had a more nuanced understanding than I did. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how nuanced, but basically Apple for a long time has been doing this to better track uh, Apple devices for the find my feature so that if you lose your device, you can find it even if that device is not connected to Wi-Fi. And how it works is it creates something called a mesh network where every time you're near another Apple device, 
the, your device talks to that other Apple device via Bluetooth and it's anonymous. So neither person knows this is happening. You can't access that information, but what it does is it uses that device to create a network so you know where the device is. That's for Find My. For this feature, basically every time you come in contact with somebody, and I think, I believe Donna, it's within six feet for more than 10 minutes. Is that correct? I'd have to look in the notes from last episode, but it was something like that. It was definitely a more extended period of time than I expected. Yeah. You know, it wasn't just like if you came within six feet of a person, it had to be for a few minutes. Yeah. So when that happens, Apple will anonymously track everybody who you're coming in contact with. And now, of course, they're partnering with Google. So if you're coming in contact with an iPhone or an Android phone, it'll anonymously track that. And then if someone is uh, diagnosed with coronavirus or COVID-19, when that happens, you enter into the app that you tested positive, and then it will anonymously notify everyone who you've come in contact with and they would be, it would suggest that they then self-quarantine so that they don't spread it. Um, and, and that's get tested they, if testing's available. Yeah. yeah, and get tested if testing's available. And the thing about it, the reason why that it's exciting or it has potential is that it allows us to interact in society, go back closer to how we were before this while still remaining safe. Because if somebody's diagnosed, and the people who they come in contact with self-quarantine, those people who did not come in contact with anybody who has COVID-19, they don't need to quarantine anymore. So that's the positive side of it. The negative side of it, of course, is there's a lot of privacy concerns about A, having a private company have access to information, especially Google, who advertises and would love to track everybody and when they come in contact with. Um, and B, there's a lot of concerns around what happens if you make it mandatory? Uh, and that's if the government comes in and makes it mandatory and it becomes this privacy issue. Um, and if it's not mandatory, then it is less effective. And that's something, Don, I know you wanted to talk about from that article you're reading. Yeah, well, um, Fast Company came out with an article yesterday that talked about the challenges between making it opt-in or not, and just looked at other countries and what they're doing. And South Korea, for instance, is making it mandatory for people to use the app and it is really successfully flattening the curve. But uh, there have been some, ma some major issues in terms of the way that, pe that South Korea is using people's information and sharing. I, I can't remember all the details of it, but it just, like users really have no control over how their information is being used. Well, including, and I, yeah, including, they, including things like their medical histories and uh, activities and places they've been, things like that. Yeah. Like pretty disturbing. And they kind of profile the person a little bit, which is creepy. They're like a 28 year old female who works in a bar in this area. And they give enough information where I guess the idea behind that is giving enough information. If you add a little bit of a story to it, it scares people. It allows people to latch onto it and then take it more seriously. But it's also from our American standards, Americans have a really hard time with that violation of privacy. <laughs> yeah. So then on the other hand, Singapore, um, which Singapore does not have a mandatory program and only 16% of people have opted in, but uh, you need about 60% or more to join the program in order for it to really be effective. 
So basically this article was making the case of why we need to figure out ways to design the user interface for contact tracing that makes people want to opt in. And uh, you know, explaining, making them feel good about themselves, that they're helping humanity, uh, reassuring them of how their information's being used and not being used, and also um, finding ways maybe to give incentives to people to want to use it. So it seems like it's a real challenge. I'm going to read a couple notes to, um, from our listeners from last episode, because we asked people whether they would opt in and whether they would feel comfortable with a mandatory contact tracing program. And here are the two responses that we had. No, I would not want them tracking me. Not that I have anything to hide. It's weird enough when sometimes on a Tuesday night when I get into my car, my maps tells me it's 12 miles to the place I go country dancing. That is not good and scared me that my phone knew that every Tuesday night that is what I do. Have a blessed day, Jan. (laughs) I loved that. That's so true. It is creepy when your phone knows these sort of things about you. Yeah, no, isn't it? It's definitely a good point. And I can see how even if uh, people feel comfortable that this is a really good cause, that setting the precedent for your phone tracking private information about you without getting your consent is disturbing. Mm -hmm. So our second, here's our second uh, note. Oh, how quickly we are to give up our civil liberties and protections. Seriously, you trust the government to not figure out ways to use that info against you or your neighbor? Remember the HIPAA laws and how some judge said, yeah, but I want the police to have your test results so they can control you. The real answer is quarantining the sick, protecting the vulnerable, possibly through quarantine and leave the rest of us alone. (laughs) So (laughs) we had some not very neutral opinions about this topic. (laughs) And we had, we got a few more too. And everybody who emailed us was pretty concerned about the privacy implications, which was funny because Donna and I were a little bit less concerned, I would say. Um, You know, and the only thing I would say to this, because I completely agree with what everybody's saying. And I've been following kind of the story in China, which is even before coronavirus has been using systems to kind of track people's behavior. uh, And it's, terrifying. So I completely agree. But the only point I'll make is, I guess, two points I want to make. The first one is we just don't have adequate testing right now. And so it's really in a perfect world if we could test everybody or like if we could regularly test a large percentage of the population on a weekly basis, we wouldn't, this wouldn't be a debate we would have to have. And the second point is just I questioning what the alternatives are and are we all willing to stay inside given that we don't have proper testing in order to prevent the privacy concerns. Um, And uh, there aren't any easy answers to this. Uh, We appreciate everyone weighing in uh, and (laughs) it's a tricky one. It is a tricky one. I like that fast company article just in that uh, there's this emphasis on the challenge of how could we make, how can we make people want to opt in? So it's still protecting people's, you know, ability to choose, but how to make them actually want to. Although definitely a bit sobering that the opt-in program in Singapore only has 16% people of people opting in. It doesn't make it seem so hopeful. Well, and what, one possible route for that, and we talked about this in the last podcast, is potentially having spaces where only people who've opted in can go. So I know right now our local grocery store has a senior hour and seniors who are self who are um, social distancing can go during that time. And it's safer because you're kind of trusting everyone 
who's going to have been social distancing. You can do something like that where you could have, you know, times or spaces where people who have opted in can go and because it, it's still voluntary, but you just can only access these spaces if you've opted in. So that's a potential middle ground. Mm. Um, there aren't any easy answers though. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks everyone for writing in. We always appreciate your feedback. Next, I want to tell you about our premium subscription to iPhone Life Insider. This is our premium educational platform that if you are feeling serious about mastering your iPhone, signing up for Insider is the best way to do that. We have in-depth video guides for all of your uh, mobile Apple devices. So if you want to master your iPhone, Apple Watch, iPad, we're the place to go. We have our full archive of iPhone Life magazine, which has been around for over a decade. So you get access to all of our magazine issues digitally, and you get video versions of our daily tips. So you can learn something in one minute a day as walkthrough on your phone as we show you how to do something cool on your iPhone. And we also have an ad-free version of this podcast with exclusive content just for insiders. We have Ask an Editor, so if you run into tech problems, we'll answer your questions for you and make sure that you find the solutions you need. So signing up for Insider is a great thing to do. We also have an amazing deal right now. Um, during this time with the coronavirus, we wanna make Insider as accessible as possible. So if you go into iPhone, if you go to iphonelife.com slash podcast discount, you'll get 50% off your insider subscription right now. And you get 60% off if you are a senior veteran, service personnel or health professional. And so that's just a box that you check at checkout to get 60% off your annual subscription. And of course, that's a great way to support us too and the work that we're doing and to let us know you appreciate it. So we, there's lots of good reasons to sign up for Insider. <laughs> yeah, and a couple quick points. First of all, we are a small independent publisher. We iPhone Life is our only title and we rely on subscription revenue. So we really appreciate everyone's support, especially in this time where advertising is difficult as if you're following any of the publishers, advertising right now is difficult. So we really appreciate subscriptions. It's what's allowing us to continue to serve you all and provide all this free content. Second of all, we're doing our best to continue to provide content for the times. So we have an iPhone messages app guide that is available now and we're coming out with a FaceTime guide, I think uh, maybe next week or the week after. So it's coming out really soon. We're really excited about it. It'll walk you through what Donna was just saying, all the details of how to do a group FaceTime call, everything you need to do, audio FaceTime calls, video FaceTime calls. So it'll be really awesome for everyone who's social distancing right now. Yes. I have a question that one of our insiders wrote in that I'm going to read to you and the answer that Colin, Colin is a staff member at iPhone Life and he has been answering our insider questions lately. So he sent this to me. I'll read you the insider question and his answer. Dear iPhone Life, when on a FaceTime video call, how can you add another person into the existing call? Sincerely, Includer. Howdy, Includer. <laughs> Once you've started a FaceTime call with someone, touch the screen and you'll see a little menu at the bottom of the view. Drag it up to fill the screen and you'll see a list of members of the FaceTime call as well as a button that allows you to add another person. I hope that helps. Cheers, Colin. So as you can see, we have a FaceTime theme this issue, we know, I mean this episode, because we know a lot of people are making FaceTime calls right now. Um, 
have you been using FaceTime, David? Some, somewhat I have. Yeah, I have a few times. I've also been doing Zoom quite a bit, to kind of depending on the circumstance. If I'm calling one person, I'll do FaceTime. Once you have several people, usually everyone starts gathering around a computer, and then I tend to default towards Zoom. How about you? Yeah, at work, we've been using Zoom. Obviously, you know that, David. <laughs> We're using Zoom right now to record this podcast. Um, I've used FaceTime a little bit, but honestly, I've been liking Zoom a little bit better, which again, another plug to people for our class. If you go to classes.iphonelife.com in lesson two, we give a really pretty thorough Zoom tutorial for personal use, not for like hosting webinars and stuff, but Zoom has been the, I feel like the most stable. FaceTime, I had a little bit more connectivity issues. Although I know a ton of people swear by FaceTime as their best one for that reason, like lower latency and stuff. Also, one of my pet peeves with FaceTime, I mean, obviously the biggest challenge is everybody has to have an Apple device. But my other pet peeve with FaceTime is on a computer, it still maintains the ratio of an iPhone. So it's just like long, narrow thing that you're using, whereas Zoom takes up your whole monitor, which is of course a wide screen. And so you get, especially if you have a lot of people on the call, I like the view of that wide screen of Zoom. Yeah, I do too. Um, and the gallery view yeah. is nice too. Exactly. Gallery view like makes everybody's tiles the same size. Whereas FaceTime, they all kind of just float around and whoever's talking gets enlarged, um, which works pretty well for most use cases. But anyways, it's time now for us to, we're going to chat about the news a little bit, and then it's time for David's interview with his stepson about Actually, his. I would like, I'd like to advocate we put that last, and then we can cover this other stuff too, so that sure. those who aren't interested in that topic don't have to listen. <laughs> okay, so stick around to the end yeah. for David's adorable conversation with his seven-year-old stepson. Save the best <laughs> for last. Yes. We're replacing um, Don with Israel. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Apple just this month has come out with the iPhone, the second generation iPhone SE. It was kind of an unexpected virtual release. And mm -hmm. this phone is $399, which or that's the starting price for the lowest uh, storage option iPhone SE, which is very cheap for an iPhone. That's probably the most noteworthy thing to ch chat about first with this phone. Uh, but we also wanted to go over with you with what what you get for that price and whether or not we recommend checking it out. Uh, what was your first like you know initial response to seeing the iPhone SE? I mean, my initial response was surprise because usually we don't get these iPhone announcements kind of virtually and no you know no conference and all that. But overall, I'm really impressed by the iPhone SE. First of all, I kind of like that they're keeping that form factor around. Um, for some people, it's a disadvantage because it's a smaller phone, a smaller screen. But for a lot of people, they like those smaller phones. I know a lot of people, a lot of our listeners and readers don't love Face ID and prefer Touch ID. So the fact that, you know, you have a phone with a home button still, I think is nice for people. And just they packed a lot of features for a phone at that price. They have a surprisingly nice um, processor, which is usually the reason why I always tell people to not get those cheaper iPhones is the processor. So overall, I thought, it, I think it's a great option for people who aren't power users or people who uh, want that smaller form factor. What do you think? 
I agree. I think the timing of releasing the phone is smart too, just because a lot of people are wanting to be more conservative with their spending right now. So getting an iPhone, that's like almost half the price of a lot of, or more than half the price of a lot of iPhones. Um, and almost half the price of the iPhone 11, which was kind of considered the more budget iPhone before this, I think is just really compelling. Um, also I noticed that even though it just has one lens, which at this point, most new iPhones have two or three, it, I saw that it does allow through the software for you to take portrait photos. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not going to, they're not going to be as high quality as the portrait photos that you can get on the iPhone 11 pro, but still I thought it was, it looked, you know, it's nice that you're not missing out on a lot of those good features. Um, the new processor, like you said, is great. I mean, for myself, I love face ID, so I would miss that, but I I'm curious actually to hear from listeners on how they feel about face ID, how well it works for them. I know most of the people that I know who complain about it not working well wear glasses. And I know that Mm. that can, like you can set up face ID with your glasses on, but still it seems like there've been issues for people with that. My impression Um, is most of the complaints I heard about face ID were kind of in the early days of face ID and that it's gotten a lot better. It's certainly gotten faster and I think it works pretty well for me. I mean, just to kind of counter the points I was making, because I was saying a lot of positive things, this is not a phone I will ever buy. Like, I'm never considering this phone. I love the, the complete uh, edge-to-edge display of my iPhone 11 Pro. I love the OLED, dis- the OLED display. I want the fastest processor. And I think cameras are an underrated thing. That people, they don't often buy a phone for the camera but we all take all of our photos on a smartphone now and having a low quality camera. I mean, I don't want to call it low quality, but I love having a really high quality camera. Um, so I'm never going to consider this phone. I don't, I think that if budget is not a concern of yours, I don't think you should either, but I think they made it surprisingly feature rich for the price point, And also for people who are either concerned about, uh, the face ID, or I know a lot of people who want smaller phones. So I think those people, it's great, yeah. but I'm never going to buy it. <laughs> well, here's a question. Would you recommend someone get the iPhone 11 or the iPhone SE? Cause the iPhone 11 is $300 more, but it's like the lowest end new one you could get before this. Yeah. I mean, I think it does sort of depend on the, uh, uh on the use case. I think that it does sort of put that um, the iPhone 11 in the tricky space of the middle ground. I still yeah. think that I would recommend the 11 though. I think that edge display is great. Personally, I, I love face ID. I think the display on it is, is still really nice, even though it's not OLED. Does that, it has two cameras now, right? The iPhone 11? Yeah, I believe it has two check. cameras. Yes. The iPhone 11 has two cameras. It doesn't have the OLED display. Um, and yeah. So those are the big things that's missing is like that third lens and the OLED display. Yeah. But I agree with you. Having two lenses is nice. Like the edge to edge display, face ID. To me, those are all things that I would w- way prefer. But you're right. For like the iPhone SE is a good option, like for the specific buyer who likes some of the features that the SE yeah. has. Yeah. I think if you handed me an iPhone 11, I would use it and I wouldn't really miss my iPhone 11 Pro that much. Like I'm 
always going to choose the pro because of the OLED display and the cameras, but I'd get by on the 11 and I'd be okay. Whereas I would be really sad with the SE. I would miss those features a lot. <laughs> Me too. Even seeing a phone, like I don't mind seeing the home button, but mm -hmm. what comes along with that is not having an edge to edge display. So yeah. seeing that like big black bar at the top and bottom, you're like, Oh, what a waste of space. Yeah. Too, you know? Um, yeah, so those are really my main thoughts on the iPhone SE. David, you were saying you've also been seeing AirPods rumors of potentially Yeah, new quite, quite a few. First of all, just to let's, let's make our question of the day. Are you interested in the iPhone SE? If so, why? If not, why not? Send us an email at podcast at iphonelife.com. Also, just a point from earlier, we've referenced quite a few things with links in it. If you go to iphonelife.com slash podcast, we will link to things. So the, the fast, fast, time, fast Company article will link to that and yeah. we'll link to Bridge, all of that stuff. Um, we'll but link to us, our iPhone, our free class, all that yes, stuff too. Yes, exactly. Send us an email. Let us know what you think of the iPhone SE at podcast at iphonelife.com. So the AirPod rumors are really interesting. Basically, the rumors are that they're going to release, and the rumors are they're going to release new AirPods in Q2, which we're in right now. So it might be really soon. And they're going to have the same form factor as the AirPods Pro, um, which is a little bit smaller and has a little bit more secure fit in your ear. Um, and But they will not be noise canceling. So they'll probably keep their same price point at $199, but not be noise canceling. Um, they also, the AirPod Pro, AirPods Pro have, in order to pause it, it has sort of a forced touch where it can, is pressure sensitive. So they're going to include that as well. Um, and coming soon. Yeah. I just got my dad the AirPods Pro for his birthday and he's so happy with them and loves them. So um, I, you know, I'm sort of the I have a controversial take that I like the form factor of the AirPods and I don't like the noise cancellation. It's actually been driving me crazy because my partner has AirPods Pro and she's been using around the house a lot and she loves them. But the noise canceling is so annoying because she can never hear me. <laughs> so I'm always like <laughs> yelling at her and trying to get her attention and she can't hear anything. Um, I personally, when I'm, just, when I'm just walking around the house or whenever I'm kind of doing casual things, I like being able to hear that ambient noise. Uh, I also like the looser fit of the AirPods. So this is, an, this is a release that I'm actually not at all interested in. Like, I don't like the fit of the AirPods Pro, but I think I'm in the minority in that and I, I recognize that. Um, but the AirPods Pro are really popular and they're great headphones. Um, and then, I, so I don't know, is this, would you be interested in the new AirPods? I would be. So my thought on the AirPods Pro from just commenting on what you said, I also, as you can see, I'm wearing right now the original AirPods, or it's the second gen that I have now because mm -hmm. they have the wireless charging case, which is great. And I do, for work, I love the way that these just kind of like lightly fit in your ear and it just feels like a very low commitment to put them on and wear them. And like, I hardly feel them and it's so nice. Yeah. For running, it's not ideal. Like I do wear them running and out on walks, but at, they have fallen out before. I'm a little like worried the whole time about them coming out. I've borrowed my husband's AirPods Pro when I've gone on jogs. And um, I think as far as fitness 
earbuds go, they don't give me that really like sealed off feeling where it's like really like my ears plugged up and I can't tell what's going on. Like it's still that kind of like nice lightweight feeling, but mm -hmm. does feel more secure. So I really liked them for outdoor use and the sound I noticed was better. Um, not like that much better, but I definitely noticed a difference. And so I think that like, if I was buying a new pair right now, like I'm not planning on upgrading cause I like the ones I have, but I would go for the pro. Okay. Interesting. Oh, yeah. you'd go, so you'd go for the pro as opposed to, so you like the noise cancellation. You go for the pro, yeah. you wouldn't go for the new AirPods that don't have noise cancellation with no. the secure fit. Okay. I wouldn't. Yeah. I, cause I think having the options is really nice and it still felt comfortable enough that I could wear them while, while I'm at work. Gotcha. Gotcha. So just, I, overall, I liked that. Just to address one small thing, because whenever we're in the class, I don't know if you notice this, Donna, because you're always talking. We get like five people each time asking why you're wearing AirPods. So I just want to explain that for a second. When you're doing a Zoom call, sometimes what happens is the microphone you're using picks up the audio from the speaker and you end up getting this awful echo that can ruin the audio quality. And so with it, if you put ear, earbuds in, then that prevents that because the microphone can't pick up the sound, it's in your ears. It's actually a nice tip for anybody who's having this problem. It's something that we do sometimes to prevent that echo. I've actually moved away from it, as you can see. Uh, the reason is I think Zoom does a pretty good job with noise cancellation, although if we finish editing this and uh, that is not the case. I will apologize to everyone, but uh, that's why Donna's AirPods <laughs> in right now. Yeah, I can't hear any echo with you, so that's great. But yeah, okay, I good. think that is a really good tip to give people. If you're planning, especially any like length of time type of video call, make sure you have some headphones on hand. Yes. Um, okay, so next we wanna tell you about some apps and gear, and then we're gonna talk about content we're enjoying during the coronavirus. Uh, David, do you want to start us off with some apps and gear? Sure. I am writing an article for the upcoming issue of iPhone Life magazine on Air or AirPlay 2 speakers. Uh, being home all day, I've been really missing having music and I wanted to have speakers and I felt like everybody else would enjoy having, because we're all home all day, would have speakers. So I've been reviewing a lot of AirPlay 2 speakers. Uh, and I want to tell you about one of them today. Uh, I'll probably mention a few more, and certainly you all can read my article when it comes out. But first, I want to talk about AirPlay 2, because I know it's one of those kind of Apple technologies that a lot of people aren't familiar with. Donna, do you have any AirPlay 2 speakers? I don't. Okay. Wait. No, I don't. I was going to say, I feel like I've tried them before, the Libertones. Yes. Um, but I don't have it anymore. I must have put it back in the pile at work and someone oh, else that's took funny. it. <laughs> we have so, like a community pile of iPhone gear that we let people, staff try. <laughs> so let me explain Air, AirPlay a little bit to you guys. First of all, as the name implies, AirPlay 2, this is the second generation of this technology. And part of the reason why a lot of people don't have it is because the first generation was kind of a flop. Actually, the first article I ever wrote for iPhone Life was about AirPlay speakers, funnily enough. Uh, this was the original AirPlay speakers back in, I think, 2012 or something like that. And the reason why it was a flop was that uh, it just wasn't stable enough and the audio kept dropping. Part of that was Apple's fault. They didn't make it stable enough. Part of that, though, was that people just didn't tend to have very good routers back in 2012, and we've all gotten better routers since then. So how AirPlay works is... 
basically it streams audio over your Wi-Fi through the router. Uh, and so Bluetooth, you pair with a, with a speaker and you connect directly to the speaker. With AirPlay, you do it through the Wi-Fi. And the reason why I think that's a lot better for home speakers is because with Bluetooth, you're pairing. So you have essentially one phone for one speaker and you can switch which device is paired with it but you always have one phone to one speaker and the problem with that is that you often have your speakers in a shared space and so those people are constantly kind of fighting over who's connected to that bluetooth not intentionally fighting but every time you want to connect to it you have to repair it um, so it's a lot more seamless with airplay also, it's higher audio quality. It's what's called lossless, so the audio is not compressed as much as with Bluetooth. Uh, and the third thing is you don't need to um, you don't need to be within fifty feet of your device. You can walk all around your house and it'll continue playing music as long as you're connected to Wi-Fi. So the technology is a lot nicer. The final thing that AirPlay Two has added, in addition to being a lot more stable you can now connect to multiple speakers at the same time which is really fun so if you get a bunch of speakers in your house you can connect all of them and you can have the same music playing throughout your entire house across different speakers so that's airplay uh, the speaker i am testing right now is by a company called name and it was funny because when i started researching the speaker everyone started everyone was talking about what a great deal it was. And then I went and looked it up and the speaker cost a thousand dollars. And so, wow. yes. Uh, so the reason why it's a great deal is name is a company that specializes in high end audio. They make speakers that cost up to $200,000. So this is a company that really knows audio. And in general, when I'm talking about speakers or headphones, I like the company that focuses on audio more than like the sort of upstart tech companies that may have added a bunch of weird gimmicky tech features but don't sound good. And the speaker's amazing. It sounds so good. So it's called, oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to, oh here, it's called Muso QB. <laughs> it's a terrible name. I don't know why they named it that. Um, but it sounds amazing. It's, you can turn up, it has, you, it has a lot of volume, so you can fill a house with it if you want, or fill a, a floor of your house with it. Uh, and the quality is really great. And once you start listening to these high-end speakers, it's really hard to go back, to be honest. Uh, you can really, the bass is rich, you, the treble sounds great. So it, it just really, it fills your room in a way that a, a cheaper speaker does not. So if you're, Money is not an option for, is not a problem for you. If you're wanting to invest in a high-end speaker that's still not going to break the bank in the same way that the really, really audiophile speakers will, that's Bluetooth or AirPlay compatible, this is a really awesome option for you. Um, I'm really enjoying it. I know it's expensive, but I'm really loving it. <laughs> Uh-oh, David's getting spoiled. Oh, I know. no, I know. And I have so many more coming. My house is going to be filled with these like really crazy speakers. Oh, really? Yeah. That's awesome. Because with AirPlay well, 2, you connect them all, which is going to be so crazy because I'll play through all of them at the same time. Yeah, that'll be amazing. Well, I have, for, if people are looking for a much less expensive thing to try <laughs> for $2.99, which actually was like, at first I was like, do I want to pay $2.99 for this? <laughs> it, I bought this app called Auto Sleep, Track Sleep. Um, and it's an Apple Watch app that just passively tracks your sleep quality for you. 
So you don't have to turn anything on before you go to bed or like really enter anything in. You just wear your watch to bed and it will give you like a report in the morning of your sleep. And um, it's really highly rated and it's been fun because Tyler and I have both been wearing it, wearing our watches at night and using this app. Also another thing, cause we use family sharing. We just had to pay for the app once and then we're nice. both able to download it, which is nice. And it's just been cool to compare side by side what our sleep quality is. And so far the takeaway has been that I'm not as good of a sleeper as I thought. And he's not as bad of a sleeper as he thought. Um, <laughs> he's had like, they tell you your amount of quality sleep and then your amount of deep sleep. And I've been getting like a decent number of qual hours of quality sleep, but very few hours of deep sleep, which is super important. Like Tyler's gets more deep sleep than I do. Oh, interesting. Um, but it is really just interesting. I mean, first of all, these apps aren't perfect. So you have to keep that in mind, but it is interesting to compare what your subjective experience is with the data. Um, a lot of times it matches up, but not always. Like sometimes I thought I got a good night's sleep and it turns out I was like, tossing and turning and sleeping very lightly the whole time. Um, other, the one thing that Tyler has also discovered is that he was right about one thing, which is that his early morning hours are his best hours of sleep. Like he's always saying like from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m., I need to be careful to not wake him up because that's like when he's getting his deepest sleep. And it turned out it's true. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I yeah. have, I, I'm, it's funny, my, uh, my partner and I are the exact same where I always seem to be getting higher quality sleep, but if you actually monitor it, I toss and turn all night, whereas she takes a while to fall asleep and is sometimes up during the night, but she gets really deep sleep and often outperforms me in the how deeply you sleep category. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of fun to like compare with a partner. Do you mind wearing your watch all night? That's why I haven't tested these watch apps. So I'm only doing it as an experiment. Like we basically wanted to get a feel for over time, of like what our sleep quality was and comparing mm -hmm. them. I'm not planning on wearing my watch long-term. Tyler's really into it. It seems to like, he also has um, the newest Apple watch and the battery's better. So he said yeah. even wearing it all night, he's been able to then wear it the, all the following day and like seems to be finding times to charge it. For me, it's a little tricky to then wear it during the day. It usually dies halfway through the day. Um, I have the Apple Watch Series 4. Um, so no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna just wear it forever. I think it's something that like here and there as I'm having sleep issues, I can wear it and try to get like a better handle on the situation. And for $2.99, it's not, not a big investment. Gotcha. Gotcha. But yeah, um, auto sleep, it is a highly rated one. I, I would recommend it. Cool. Um, okay. Content. We, content. we have a jam packed episode, huh? We do. Yeah. So <laughs> almost like we never last... talked to anyone. I know this is our last section before we cut over to David's interview with, uh, Israel. So what have you, what kind of content have you been enjoying? Okay. I mean, I have a lot, so I'm all up. I won't, I'm not going to cover all of it, but I have a really dorky recommendation for you. Are you ready for this? Definitely. <laughs> so I've always loved the show, The West Wing. Uh, I, I watched it when it originally came out. I really love Aaron Sorkin's writing. He's just an amazing writer. Uh, so I have discovered that there is a podcast out there called the West Wing Weekly, and that podcast 
goes every, every episode by episode and they cover it and they bring on all the stars of the show and the actors and the writers. And actually one of the hosts is, was on the show. Um, his name is Josh Molina. And so I've been going and rewatching each episode and then listening to the corresponding podcast that's amazing. It's really that's nerdy, dorky. That's nerdy in a really cute way. But can I tell you what? It's like the perfect escapism because it's just so not connected to anything scary going on in the world right now. And I was listening to so many podcasts that were like all about policy with coronavirus and like the pandemic. As you can tell, as I go on these long rants about contact tracing, I like obsessively follow this stuff and it's been a really nice distraction and I've been enjoying it. Uh, it's been fun to rewatch the show and it, I feel so like, it's so, it's one of those shows that like none of my friends are that into. And so I feel like I've found my people, like <laughs> these people geek out on this so hard and it's so funny to me. That's amazing. Yeah, I haven't gotten into West Wing. I'll have to try that. Um, we'll listen to the podcast too. It actually does did help me appreciate it. It made me feel less silly for loving the show because like when you go through all the details, it really is like so different than any other show that's been produced. <laughs> it's fine. You You're can so laugh at into me. it. <laughs> you can laugh at me. It's okay. <laughs> well, another show that I'm coming really late to the game on is Homeland. I just finished season one. There are okay. eight seasons of Homeland and it just finished. Um, but it's funny. I've been starting to watch it and my friends have been like, oh, what are you watching these days? I'm like, have you heard of like Homeland? It's so good. <laughs> like, yeah, Homeland's been around for a decade. What are you talking about? But for some reason, I couldn't get into it before. I watched the first episode and just felt it, like it. Claire Danes was like too angsty for me or something. Mm. But um, for some reason, watching it this time around and understand i don't know maybe i just gave it a couple more episodes or something and all the characters are so good and yes it is high drama but in a way that didn't stress me out to watch and the acting's really good like complex characters you know mystery and suspense all of that so i'm pretty excited about it funnily enough i actually was planning on giving homeland another try um because I did watch the first season way back when and I enjoyed it and then I just never kept watching it for some reason. But my partner and I keep doing this really annoying thing where we find a show we love and then we just watch the entire thing in like a week. <laughs> and yeah. partly it's because we're finding new shows where there's only one season or something like that. Um, and the one we did this with, have you watched the show Unorthodox? No. Oh, it's on Netflix, and it's about the uh, Hasidic Jewish community in uh, Brooklyn. And it's it's a f um, based on true story, but it's like a fictionalized show, and it's just beautiful. It's uh, it's very rare that you have a show like that where they're able to, because it's kind of an insular, it's a very insular community, where they're able to capture all of the customs and traditions of this community. And it's just so beautifully done. I'd really recommend it. But it's only like six episodes. And so we watched it, I think, in like a day. And then we were so sad <laughs> over. So Homeland sounds great to me because it's so many seasons. <laughs> yeah, that's a good call. I know. I watch TV less than uh, Tyler does. So he has a lot of shows he's been watching on his own. Um, but I've definitely been watching more TV than I usually do. Yeah. Are you I getting mean, sick of TV? You know, not really. 
<laughs> a little bit. Um, I'm getting sick of trying to find new things to watch and I'm getting sick of staying home so much, but I don't think I'm watching like an excessive amount of TV just because I'm so busy during the work week um, that I have been watching that much. Uh, oh, the last one I will say that I've been watching is The Last Dance. Has Ty- I bet Tyler's been watching it, right? I don't think so. Really? Oh my god. He's been gosh. watching Narcos and Westworld. Oh, Narcos is one of my favorite shows of all time. I love Narcos. Um, the Last Dance is a documentary series about the final championship of the Bulls. So it's and it's Michael Jordan's last oh. season with the Bulls. Yeah, he is watching that. Of course, he's <laughs> I didn't know what it was it. called. He was yeah. like, the, was, he was just like saying it was a show about Michael Jordan, and he's been yeah. so excited every Sunday night. Like I am so like, excited. This is like me reliving my childhood. Yeah, yeah, I'm obsessed with this show. I paid for cable just so I could watch it. <laughs> wow. Um, so definitely, if you're a basketball fan, especially from the era of Michael Jordan, it's amazing. They got all of this footage. They were allowed behind the scenes for the entire last season, but they made this deal with Michael Jordan that they wouldn't produce a show based on this footage unless he approved it. And the show kind of makes him look like a jerk some of the time. And so he did not allow them to use it for like 20 years. And so they finally produced a show on it because he finally allowed them to use this footage, but they have all of this behind the scenes footage. They interviewed literally like everyone involved. Uh, And so it's really, it's really awesome if you're a sports fan. (laughs) Wow. That's cool. Yeah. Um, My last recommendation is a podcast and it's a specific episode David, you watch Reply All, or you listen to Reply All. I am obsessed with Reply All. I love Reply All. I only like pop in for the occasional episode, but I've really, like the guys who host the show are just like funny Mm -hmm. and entertaining. And so I like it. Um, But this specific episode, I guess, went viral. The Case of the Missing hit. Did you listen to that one? It's about the like song that they can't figure out. Yeah. Okay. So it's just like, I just found myself cracking up like the whole time because <laughs> they help this guy. This guy gets, has a song stuck in his head from childhood. He remembers like the whole thing, but nowhere on the internet can he find this song, like any trace of this song actually existing. So they help him find it. They have to like actually recreate the song. So he like sings it and like uh, he remembered all of the instrumentals and everything and they have like a real band recreate it. It's just and they, you know, well, I won't spoil what happens, but too late. Watch it. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it is really it. good. Uh, and yeah. I will say what, one of the things that happens in it is everybody involved in making this episode ends up getting the song stuck in their head, but they can't listen to it because nobody can find it. <laughs> and I listened to the episode and I, I listened to it over the course of a few days. And so I, I had the exact same thing happen to me before, uh, where <laughs> I had this song stuck in my head that I'd never heard before. <laughs> Oh, they're talking about how it was like this weird, like this guy became obsessed with, it was like an earworm, you know, and he, how he's like passing it to person to person. And like, everyone is obsessed with this song and like losing sleep over it, over this song. That's also like a pretty terrible song too, which Mm -hmm. makes it even more funny. So anyways, if you feel like having a chuckle, check out Reply All. Um, and, and you know, I, I will say in addition to being like entertaining, it's about tech. So it's all tech stuff. Uh, so I'm assuming our audience will really enjoy it. They also have really high quality journalism. Every once in a while, they'll really dive deep on the topic that like they're way ahead of the, like the kind of most news cycles on it. And they have shockingly good journalism as well. I should listen more often. 
I was impressed with all like (laughs) the amount of effort they put into finding this song in terms of like journalistically (laughs) tracking things down. That was cool. Um, Okay. Now, without further ado, we are going to cut over to David's interview with his stepson, Israel, who is seven years old, right? Yes. And before we launch into it, I just want to say we had a little bit of trouble with the audio and video for this episode or for this interview, um, just partly because we're at home and partly setting up an interview with a seven-year-old. <laughs> it was a lot of challenges. Um, so I apologize for that ahead of time. Thank you all for your patience with that. Hello and welcome to the iPhone Life podcast. I'm David Auberbach, CEO and publisher. I'm here with Israel Maselli, my stepson. Hi. Israel, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So we have been quarantined for, how long have we been quarantined for, Israel? Um, about three weeks or more. We've been quarantined for about three weeks together in this house. So for the podcast, we're working with what we got. Uh, so today we're going to talk about how kids use their iPhone and how Hannah, Hannah, my partner, and myself are working with Israel to help make his iPhone a productive tool for him, using for education, using, you know, managing the games and screen time and all of that. So my first question for you, Israel, is what iPhone do you have? I have an iPhone 7 Plus. Okay, and how long have you had it for? A year or so. So you've had it for about a year or so. What is your favorite part about owning an iPhone? That you can contact people whenever you want or call, text. So Israel, of course, goes back and forth between his dad's house and our house. He also has a lot of family in town. So one of the reasons we got him a phone, uh, how old are you? Have we asked that yet? Um, you already said I was seven years old. You're seven years old, and what grade are you in? First. So one of the reasons we got him a phone, and what for a lot of people is probably a little bit young, is because he's getting passed around from house to house so much, it's a really nice for him to be able to stay in touch with the people who he is not at the house with. Um, and B, it's easy for us to always know where he's at and he always has a phone in case, say he needs to be picked up or something like that. So Israel, who would you say you call the most in text? Um, I think I text like you a lot and my dad. And I called the most. I don't really call a lot of people. They're all busy. <laughs> so yeah, you text us, you text your dad. What about your grandparents? Do you call and text them? Not really. <laughs> you do sometimes, Grandma Lucy. <laughs> okay, so in addition to your favorite part of owning an iPhone, what's your least favorite part about owning an iPhone? This iPhone, I don't like that you guys can track where I am. <laughs> That's fair. Like, if you don't want me to be someplace. <laughs> so we can check where Israel is. Let's talk about some of your other rules. Uh, what rules do you have for your phone? I have to give my phone away at 6.30. I can't use it at 6.30, which is what that means. And, um, and in the morning, when do you get to use it? Uh, I don't know. Do you get to use it first thing when you wake up? No. So when once you come downstairs? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we've been homeschooling for a while, but typically when you're in school, can you use your phone at school? No. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, those are our basic rules. And then we have a few restrictions set up. So Israel, what happens when you want to download a game? 
Um, I have to ask you. So he requests it. This is, you know, we have, we're using family sharing to get this set up. He has to request it and then I have to approve it. How many games are you allowed to download per week? Two. And are you allowed to down, out, download any game you want? Um, no. So you can put some restrictions on this. You can do, what we've done is, even though Israel's seven, we're a little lax. It's any game that's appropriate for 12 year olds and younger is how we have done this. So the, the only apps he sees in the app store is that. No, no. I mean, I see other games that are like seven, 17, which are actually, there's 17 games. There's like 17 age, 17 plus age games, which they're not probably 17 age plus age games, but they say 17 plus, so. Okay, so maybe he does get to see the other ones, but he's not allowed to download them. Let's put it that way. Uh, do you have access to your web browser? No. Okay, so he doesn't have a web browser. Uh, and he has to ask permission for downloading games or in-app purchases. Uh, anything else that I'm forgetting? Uh, I think I think you said. I you know. think I covered it? Okay. So Israel, what are your what are some of your favorite games right now? Hmm. Shadowgun Legends. So tell me that. What tell me about Shadowgun Legends? What is Shadowgun Legends? It's like um kind of like Destiny. Okay, Destiny, for those who don't know, is an Xbox game where you're shooting aliens. So is that what you're doing in this game? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and what do you like about it so much? Um, you can customize your character. You can go with other people. You can do missions with other people. You can create stuff. Okay. And tell me, what is another favorite game of yours? Um, Game of Thrones Beyond. Okay, and what do you like about that one? Same thing, but a little different. It's like another fighting game like that. Mm -hmm. And um, there's really cool characters. It's a really cool game. And um, it's good graphics. I forgot one really important rule. Is it was only allowed, how long are you allowed to play games on your iPhone each day? 30 minutes? Yes. But right, not right now. So no. we've laxed that a little bit <laughs> because we are all just trying to get by this uh, quarantine time. So let's talk about that, Israel. Uh, now that you're not in school, uh, are you doing any homeschooling with us? Mm. Yes. Okay. And what apps are we using? for homeschooling? Khan Academy, Mr. Bionics, which is a show on um, YouTube, if anybody wants to look at it. Um, okay. And Teacher Monster Journey. Okay, so let's go one by one. Khan Academy, we're using for math, mm -hmm. right? And how does it work? I mean, like, there's two-digit math. If you don't know two-digit math, you can learn about that or if you're like in kindergarten and you just started you can go to kindergarten there's pre is there pre-k yeah there is some pre-k there's pre-k and um i think second grade third grade first grade kindergarten it actually goes all the way through college you can learn computer programming with it mm. um so how it works is each lesson it, you watch a YouTube video where they explain it to you, 
And then, then what? Um, you get to do it. You do. A, you do a quiz. quiz. Yeah. Which uh, is there's there's not many quiz in like one one grade. So yeah, each like, lesson you have a quiz, and if you there's seven questions, and if you pass the seven questions, or five, or if you get five of the seven right, you can move on to the next lesson. I mean, if you like, there's five questions on some of them, which five questions is seven minutes, and seven questions is eleven minutes, so it's timed. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we have Khan Academy. Um, tell me about this YouTube show. Mr. Bionics, um, it teaches you fun facts and like. So are you learning you, like, like about muscles, food? So science. Mm -hmm. um, and we've also done. We've been using Homeschool Pop, haven't we? To learn, what did you learn on Homeschool Pop? Um, about California. You can learn about the states. You can learn about animals or like how they live. I think, yeah. So yeah, it has social studies, so we've been going back and forth between those. Uh, we have Khan Academy, and then let's talk about some of the apps. Have you been learning a language? Yes. So what language have you been learning? Spanish on Duolingo. And how are you liking Duolingo? Good. And Duolingo is an app on your iPhone. Mm -hmm. uh, and tell me some words you know in Spanish. Hombre. And what's that mean? Man. Okay, and give me one more. Um, manzanas. Manzanas, and what's that mean? Apples. <laughs> so we've been going through that and it's been going really well. Uh, the other app that we've been really enjoying is, it's Teach You a Monster to Read. Te mm -hmm. So tell me, how does that work? Um, it's like you're just a monster. At first you get to create your monster, then, then your ship goes down onto a planet, which you get to explore islands, I, um, eight islands. You have to explore eight islands. You have to gather their letters. And then after your ship's all fixed, and um, you can't, you, you go to other planets. Planet, 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 planet. And sometimes um, you can go to buy, buy some stuff for your monster. And, and so when you're going to planet to planet, how do you, like, what are you learning? Are you learning how to like, read? Like letter sounds. Yeah. You learn letter sounds, which, yeah, I'm learning letter sounds, which I mostly know all the letter sounds, but <laughs> I'm teaching. Uh-huh. And what are you learning in Khan Academy? Um, I'm learning, like, really hard math, like minus some things. Mm-hmm. So like two-digit subtraction mm -hmm. and two-digit addition. Mm-hmm. We're working on two-digit subtraction right now, and uh, we're getting through it. <laughs> Thanks, and we'll see you in a couple weeks for our next episode. And insiders, Thanks, stick around, because we have bonus content for insiders. We do. Bye. Thanks, everyone.